Life Church, it is so great to connect with you, whether you are joining us online or you are at one of our Life Church campuses in Appleton, in Germantown, in Brookfield, or Milwaukee. We are delighted to have you with us this weekend. As we kind of wrap up this three week legacy series that we have been in. And uh, next weekend, you don't want to miss our Miracle Offering Weekend. This is a weekend that we set aside every year at the end of the year to inspire you, to motivate you, and then also to give you a chance just to show again your generosity uh, for the work of the kingdom of God through Life Church around the corner and around the world. And so it's all that we do for what you would call missions and outreach. Uh, again, in every neighborhood that we're in, in every county that we're in, and in our state, our nation, and our world. And our guest speaker next weekend will be Pastor Tommy Barnett from Phoenix Dream City Church, also the LA Dream Center. And uh, you, uh, if you remember, he was with us just a couple of years ago. Fantastic. I'm telling you, when I grow up, I want to be like Pastor Tommy. Uh, this, 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 saint of the church, this elder statesman, if you would, and is in his early 80s, is, is traveling and going. Uh, he puts me and most of the guys that I know in the ministry to shame with his, uh, with his robust uh, passion for God's people, for God's word, and for people far away from God. So next weekend will be a weekend you do not want to miss. I promise you, you want to be connected and in tune. Matter of fact, I've had friends of mine that have like asked me, hey, when is that going to air? And, and, can, and can, can we get a link to that? We, we love Pastor Barnett. Guys out of state around the nation that I know are just super excited. So again, you want to be here uh, next weekend as we do our miracle offering and be ready to give whatever God would put in your heart to do. Today, I want to I wanna end our series on legacy so if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. Luke, chapter 5. I'm going to look at chapter 5, then I'm going to go to chapter 15, and I'll explain that in just a minute. In this legacy series, we've been talking about how you make a mark that can't be erased, how you live a life that lives beyond you. And everybody can do this. It, it doesn't matter what your title is. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how many people you lead or, or if you view yourself as a leader or a follower or whatever. It, it, it's an essence is, is that you have the ability to leave a mark on this earth that cannot be erased. And there's multiple ways in which to do that. And we've been talking about that. And this weekend, I want to end with kind of what I would call the legacy life. Kind of a, a motto or a, or a mantra, kind of a mindset, and that may be a better word, as we lead uh, this life for legacy. It's easy when you're in your 20s in your teens to think about right in that moment because being old and gray is a long, long time away. And then as you get married and you're beginning to, to, to build a home and build a marriage and kids and all that comes with it, you're just, man, you're so much, there's so much busyness that it's just like that feels like forever away. And then you get to the stage that I'm at right now, that empty nest where you've got one that's in college and one that is, that's married and, and basically that house that had so much energy and so many people coming in and out and this and that, all of a sudden it's just you and your spouse. It's just Tammy and I. And, uh, and so you kind of go, hey, what do we do? Do we downsize? What do we do? And this and that. I mean, it's just, 
It comes, and then, and, and so then legacy becomes a little bit more, as I'm getting to close to that 50 mark, becomes a little bit more uh, part of the, the conversation. And, and, and the next 20, 25 years become really pretty, pretty much like this is the next leg in that race. And, 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 and then I am told that as you get into your 50s and 60s, as you kind of get into facing that, those retirement years, it's yet another season that you go into. The truth of the matter is, is if you go all the way back to your teens and 20s, if you live the life that I'm going to talk about today, it's doable. And it will produce the legacy that you will want when you're 70, 80, 90, 100. It's something that you can do in that mindset, even in the busyness of, of raising kids in a family, and that you can even impart to them. And even when you're an empty nester, or you're kind of in, in those years right before retirement or in those retirement years, you'll see the fruition. You'll see the fruit and the benefit. If you're a business person today, there's, there's a, a guy named Bob Buford who wrote a book called Halftime. Business guy who really experienced a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and Bob says that the first half of your life is about success for most of us. But the second half of your life is about significance. I want to talk to you today about what Jesus would say that would give you both success in the first half of your life and also give you significance in the second half of your life. It's the legacy life. So Luke's gospel chapter number five, I'm going to read this and, I'm going to, and then we're going to go right to chapter 15 and then I'm going to explain it. So Luke chapter five, starting in verse number 27, it says this, after these things, he, that's Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he left all, rose up and followed him. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and Pharisees uh, complained against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? If you're a tax collector, I'm, you work for the IRS, I'm sorry, this is just what it says here. Jesus answered, verse number 31, and said to them, those who are not, or excuse me, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, let's skip right over a couple of chapters, just turn to the right to chapter 15 starting in verse number one. Then the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, to Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Same thing that he, they had just said a few chapters earlier. It's, it's a common thing that we see in the life of Jesus. He's known as a friend of sinners. So verse three, he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. For I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents the 99 just persons who need no repentance. So Jesus here is speaking about 
what we're talking about, this legacy issue today, this life of legacy, he, he begins with this, this, this encounter with Levi, with this tax collector. And, and, in, and in encountering Levi, who we know as Matthew, he comes to him and he goes to his office and he says, follow me and I will make you. So this tax collector becomes a disciple, one of the 12 that Jesus will impart to them all that he knows and all of the ministry. And then Jesus will die on the cross, be risen from the grave and, and, and ascend to the right hand of the father. And Matthew, along with the other disciples will be left here in order to share this life changing life, transforming uh, message of Jesus Christ, salvation, the good news, the gospel. But what's really interesting is that Jesus chooses Levi. And this is why the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, why they have such an issue with this and why they talk about Jesus hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, which were synonymous one and the same. Again, if you work for the IRS, I'm sorry that we, we don't view you that way today, but, but, but in Jesus' day, they would. So let me unpack this just for a second. So you gotta remember that, that Israel is under Roman occupancy. So Rome is the number one superpower in the world. So Israel is being occupied by Rome. Israel is not a free nation. Israel is there, so they still have this feeling of that there's God-chosen people, that Jerusalem is their capital city, uh, that, that, they're, that they're a people that are set apart. Uh, the Romans would be considered Gentiles. Gentiles are anybody who are non-Jews. And so they feel like they're actually better and superior than they are because, because they're God's people. But yet everything around them says that they're below Rome and that Rome is above them. Everything, everywhere they look, uh, they're, they're in society, everything. There's Roman soldiers, there's centurions, there, there, there are governors like Pontius Pilate who will actually oversee various regions of the Roman Empire. And so, so there is this internal and external conflict. There's this tension in the air all the time. And so Israel is not a free nation. And Israel's under Rome, a Roman occupancy. So what Rome would do is Rome would allow any of its people or any of the people groups in which it had conquered, it would allow them to go along with their own traditions, with what they do in their world. Uh, it would allow Roman uh, theology, if you would, uh, their, 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 their faith ideology would, would allow for all types of of, of gods, big and small, uh, they, they, were, they, they would allow these various groups of people that they would conquer, they would allow them basically to do whatever they wanted to do. All they had to do was a couple of things. Number one, they had to keep the peace. So there was not gonna be any craziness, there was not gonna be, and they did that because they didn't wanna revolt. Number two, they had to acknowledge that Caesar was preeminent, that he was the emperor, that he was, he was head of state. And they could do nothing to, to try to, in any shape, form, or fashion, verbally or otherwise, knock him out of that, that position. And then thirdly, they had to pay taxes to Rome. So as long as you pay tax, you acknowledge Caesar as the emperor, as the head of state over basically the known world at this point in time. And you were peaceful. You could do whatever you want to do. You could keep your traditions. You could serve your God. You could worship at the temple, worship your God, do your job, do whatever. They would let you do what you wanted to do, but you had to do those three things. So when it came to the peace, that's fine. Everybody kind of wants to live in peace as much as they can, although there's this undertow. And then, and then when it came to, um, 
to uh, the, the Caesar being, being uh, the emperor, whatever, that's fine. I can nod my hat to that and go on because it doesn't really affect me day in and day out. But the tax collection, that kind of gets in my pocket. <laughs> and anytime something gets in our pocket, that's when it gets serious, amen? Don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. So, but what they would do, the Roman government would go to, in this particular place, uh, to Israeli citizens, and they would recruit them to come and basically serve as the tax collectors of their people. So the tax collector then basically becomes a traitor to their home state, to their nationality, to their people group, which are under the occupancy of Rome. They now become an employee of this, of this um, occupying government that there's tension with. And so all of a sudden they are kind of a turncoat. They are, they're, they're completely duplicit. And so they're now not working for their own people. They're actually working for the government that's occupying them that they, that they want to throw off the shackles in this, in this particular situation. They, they, they want to overthrow Rome. And, and all throughout the Gospels, we see that constantly the disciples continue to think that Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman government and that his kingdom is going to be established on the earth. Even, even they'll argue over who's going to sit at his right hand and his left hand. They think there's actually going to be a physical overthrow of the Roman government and that Jerusalem is going to be established as the capital of the world and Israel as God's preeminent people once again as it was in the days of David and Solomon. And Jesus continues to say that my kingdom is not of this world. It's out of this world. It's, it, it's not of here. So this tax collector would have been someone who would have been very much rejected by their own people because now they work for the opposition. They work for, 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 for the conquering government. And then tax collectors on top of that, not only were they paid by Rome and they were taking taxes from the occupied people, in this case, Israel, but they were also skimming off the top. They were very unscrupulous and <laughs> lacked integrity big time. So they were stealing from their own people. And so this activity and this notoriety made tax collectors hated in Jerusalem, hated in all of Israel and completely rejected. And so Jesus goes directly to the office of a tax collector who is considered a traitor basically by his own people to the Roman government, also complete, a, a, a shady business guy at best and says, hey, I want you to come and follow me and I will make you. Now we get it with Peter, James and John. We, we get it with some of these other disciples. And, and I'm actually thinking about doing a series this next year about just the motley crew. That's probably what I'm gonna call the series this motley crew of, of, uh, of disciples because they come from all these various backgrounds. Can you imagine putting someone like, like, like Levi, who would be known as Matthew, this tax collector, in with these others, like with, 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 with other zealots that were in the group and, and, and other people who were for the, for the nation of, of, of Israel and, and against Rome? There's all of this going on, all of this kind of craziness. And again, if I were to go after a Levi, Matthew type of a person to come on staff at Life Church. It would be so, I, I probably would have, the board would call me in for a conversation and, the, uh, and, 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 and people might leave the church because it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Yet Jesus goes beyond the exterior and he goes right into the interior and he sees this person and this is who he is going after. And so because of this, he, Jesus carries this moniker, friend of sinners. 
And we see it again then in Luke's Gospel 15 when, when we pick that up yet again. And Jesus is, 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 is hearing this yet again from the religious establishment. And so Jesus decides to address it. And he begins talking about the lost sheep. Then if you read on, he'll talk about the lost coin. And then he'll talk about the lost son, the prodigal son. The truth of the matter is, is that what Jesus is doing is he's giving us an example of a motto, a, a, a mantra, a mindset in which to live by, to have this legacy life. And I just want to give you three observational points really quick. First of all, live a life of saying yes to Jesus. Live a life of saying yes to Jesus. Jesus goes into a not great situation, this tax collector's office. He does something that's unconventional in most parts. And he simply says to Levi, follow me and I will make you. And Levi leaves everything and he follows Jesus. He says yes to Jesus. Can I tell you that one of the greatest things you can do in your life, whether you're 18 or 85, is just to say yes to Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're like Levi and you're in that tax collector's office and, and life is kind of shady, it's a bit unscrupulous and, and, and all of that's going on. You just simply say, Jesus, I wanna say yes to you and no to the world. I, I, I wanna ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and to be my Savior. And if you just simply say, Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, forgive me of my sins, I choose to follow you, you're saying yes to Jesus. Many of you that are watching or that are at one of the campuses, you've said yes to Jesus. So what does that mean for you? All throughout our lives, Jesus will ask us to go and to do and to serve and to be. Just say yes to Jesus. Just have a mindset that you're gonna say yes to him. When he, but you've, you know that prompting of the Lord. You, you know, the Bible says that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. You know when Jesus is speaking to you about showing an act of kindness to maybe a complete stranger, about getting involved in a particular ministry, about serving somewhere, about, about, about going across the street or going across the aisle or, or helping someone. Maybe it's even as you're planning and praying about what you're gonna do for this miracle offering, which it's gonna be a miracle for us to do what we wanna accomplish. But this year we're on the precipice of, of, of going yet again, a million dollars in missions giving. Wow, in the middle of a pandemic. But it's gonna be because all of us begin to say yes to Jesus. Big, small, yes to Jesus. This is exactly what Levi does. This is exactly what he does. And don't forget, Levi... Matthew is the one that will go on to write the gospel of Matthew. Yes, that unscrupulous, shady, traitor says yes to Jesus. And it changes his life forever. Second, the second thing I want you to see here is, is that you live a life of purpose on purpose. You live a life of purpose on purpose. The Bible says here in, 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 in Luke chapter five, verses 29 through 32, that when Matthew encounters Jesus, what does he do? He throws a party. He invites all of his friends to a party. Now remember, he was a tax collector. He was considered a sinner. And so he has this party because that's just what sinners do. They 
party, <laughs> amen? And, and it may help all of us to party a little bit more. Can I get a witness in the house? But, but what he does is he has this party at his house and he invites Jesus. Basically what he's saying is, I wanna introduce you, all of my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers, uh, my, my clients, uh, I wanna, uh, my, my family members, I wanna introduce you to this one who has changed my life. He's intentional. He doesn't just do it just to have fun. He's doing it because he wants their life to be changed the way his life was changed. Live a life of purpose on purpose. I challenge you today to stop for a moment and ask how intentional is your activity? How intentional are your choices? What are you doing with your time, with your talent, with your treasure? that will last for eternity. There's nothing wrong with having fun. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with just, you know, man, we probably all over eight at Thanksgiving. Can I get a witness? I'm just saying, but at some point, am I living life on purpose? Because it's, life's gonna happen. Uh, you're gonna get a year older. You're, 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 you're gonna get, you're, you're, you're gonna get to that next level, to that next. The question is, are you getting there on purpose? Is there an intentionality behind your life? Is there, are there choices that you're making that are intentional? Are you just letting life kind of happen to you? I encourage you. I know it's been a crazy year and probably all the plans that you had that I had got flipped and up, turned upside down. But as we get into 2021, here's what I believe. I believe that normalcy is going to come back into play. And I believe that like in the church, that, that we're going to be, it's like the, the feeding of the 5,000. You know, it was really fun when Jesus took the bread and took the, took the fish and he blessed it and he broke it. And that small little snack pack of a couple of pieces of fish and some hush puppies was, was turned into a feeding of the 5,000. But when the party was over, what did Jesus say to the disciples? Let's gather all the fragments up, all the bits and the pieces. It's always fun to see the miracle happen. But what the disciples did is that they were faithful to gather all the fragments. And at the end, there were 13 baskets. There was more food left over than they even began with. I think in this next season, we're gonna have to be intentional as a church, as Christ followers, to let our, let our light shine, to, to be a witness, maybe even be more verbal than we've ever been, to be able to go out and to, and to, and to reach and to serve. We're, it's gonna require us to, to, to get back involved and, 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 and move from maybe from online into, into an in-person gathering. It's, it's, it's gonna move from that, that little, our, <laughs> watching it and our comfies and drinking our coffee to, 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 to being here and being actively involved and, and then intentionally picking up the fragments and putting things back together. But when we do that, we're gonna see in the end that we're going to reach more people. There's gonna be more done, that the miracle is not over, yet it will be greater than what we've ever thought. Why? Because we're going to be on purpose. We're gonna be intentional. And in doing so, we're gonna leave a legacy. The third statement is this, is to live a life that makes an eternal difference. Live a life that makes an eternal difference. Jesus in Matthew, excuse me, in Luke chapter 15, Luke writes Jesus's response to the statement of basically of, of going in and um, being a friend of sinners. 
He addresses this whole statement about you're a friend of sinners. What does that look like? What does that mean? How does that, he addresses that. And he addresses it in these parables, a story with meaning. He talks about a lost sheep and then a lost coin and then a lost son. And how that the shepherd, the individual, the father will leave the 99 to go after the one. We'll do whatever that individual has to do. Why? Because the reality is the eternity that's at stake. And that all of heaven will rejoice over one who was lost that's now found more than 99 who were never in need or never in harm's way. That's why Jesus says it's the sick that need the doctor, not, not the well. That he came for the sick and for the hurting, for the broken, for the downtrodden, for the sinner, not for the saint. See, there's only two things that are eternal. God's word and people. That's it. Only two things that will truly leave and last a legacy. God's word and people. It's interesting that God's word is now confirming the, the leaving the 99 for the one, that the person is the most important. That God's word, that which is eternal, also speaks again to the, to the eternal nature of humanity. That the father will leave to go for the one, that the father will scour the house to find the lost coin, that the, that the, that the father, that the shepherd will leave the 99 in order to go after the one. That's why we do what we do at Life Church. I don't mean to be mean. I, I've had people down through the years get mad and upset and again, in almost two decades of, of pastoring here, I, I've had people make statements, uh, you know, where, you know, I can't believe he'd say that about, you know, he, he won't offend sinners, but, but he'll offend found people and, and, and he'll do anything short of sin in order to see somebody far away from Jesus come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's, it's why? It's because that's what Jesus did. Jesus ruffled the feathers of the religious establishment in order to go after the one lost sheep to go after the one lost coin, to go after the one lost son. Because that's what's eternal. Buildings, they're not eternal. <coughs> Programs, they're not eternal. Worship songs and sets, they're not eternal. The ministry of the pastor, the only part of this that's eternal is the word of God that I am speaking and the people's lives here are being changed. But my words, they're not eternal. And I encourage you, when you think about legacy, what difference are you making in people's lives? And what difference is God's word making in your life and in those that you serve? That's what's eternal. That's legacy. And so today, the key to living this legacy life is basically saying yes to Jesus, having a lifestyle where you say yes to him, choosing that you're gonna be, live your purpose out on purpose, that you're gonna be intentional. And making decisions in light of things that have an eternal difference. If it doesn't make an eternal difference, then don't sweat it. What has an eternal difference? God's word and people. 
That's the reason why next weekend, I'm asking you as you come back, whether online or in person, to begin to think about that. Because that's kind of that culmination of that miracle offering. You know, we started at the beginning of the year and we set up a, 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 an amount based upon projects and, and, and opportunities to be able to serve and to do. And uh, then we basically give you opportunities throughout the course of the year to be able to give and to be a part of that. We ask you to, to maybe make it part of your regular giving. And then we give you opportunities to be able to, to go and to actually go on a mission trip, which we had no mission trips this year. Or to, to go see a project in action, which, which again would be through a missions trip and we didn't have that. So what we did was we did what we could. And so, which is we worked on the infrastructure of the facilities like Life Center in order to make that what it needs to be in order to be able to, to minister to people. And hundreds of thousands of meals have gone out from that particular location to meet people through this pandemic. And we, we're at this place where at the end of the year, we're going, hey, we've got this gap. We've got this amount. We've got this, this particular place where we're able now to let's give one more big offering. Let's do one more thing. Why? Because it's eternal. Everything you give doesn't stay here. It goes around the corner around the world to help people. Not me, not you, but others. It's saying yes to whatever God would put in our hearts to do. It's, it's, it's being intentional, but it's going, it's taking God's word and going into all the world and preaching and teaching the gospel. It's doing the great commission and the great commandment. It's, it's loving our neighbors, we love ourselves. It's, it's, it's showing God that we love him in that same way. And so again, even as we wrap this legacy series up, I can't think of a greater way the next weekend as we began to, in a tangible way, show something that says yes to the Lord, is living on purpose and is eternal. So I wanna pray for you today because I know everybody who's watching, this is your heart's desire. Your heart's desire is just like mine. I wanna make a difference with my life. I wanna make a mark that can't be erased. I wanna live and leave a legacy. I believe you can. And I believe that God's word that we've just unpacked today shows us how we can do that. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you today for your people. I thank you today, God, for your blessings. I thank you for your word and how it gives us a pathway, a, a journey in order to be able to, God, to be able to, to leave a legacy. And I just pray that you will help us. Help us to, to, to say yes to you and that leading of the Holy Spirit. Help us to live with intentionality that our purpose of our life, whatever it may be, that it, it's on purpose, that it's intentional. And Lord, let us look at what's eternal in our world, the people that are around us and your word. Those are the two things that will last forever. Help us to follow your word and to love and lead those people. Let us leave a legacy. Let us have a legacy life not just of success, but of significance. In Jesus' name, amen.